Sagar and Marshall here. Welcome back to The Realignment. This week, we're joined by Hudson Institute Senior Fellow, Melanie Kirkpatrick. Melanie's a former editor of the Wall Street Journal editorial page, and she's the author of Escape from North Korea, the untold story of Asia's Underground Railroad. But more importantly for this week, she's the author of Thanksgiving, the holiday at the heart of the American experience. Our longtime listeners are going to know that we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about doom and gloom, challenges, whether past, present, or future. So we thought this week of all weeks would be exciting to take a step back and focus on something a little lighter, something that highlights the fact that all in all our lives are actually pretty great. We have families, we have colleagues that we're thankful for. And speaking with Melanie of our book was a great opportunity to have that. We actually start with the four surprisingly controversial centuries of Thanksgiving in this country ever since 1621. It's a story that includes everything from the very first Thanksgiving to President George Washington, President Abraham Lincoln, and FDR. So it's a really cool sort of illustration of the fact that the story of Thanksgiving is actually deeply intertwined with our actual evolving nature as a country. We then actually go into Thanksgiving traditions, what things are the same, what things are different, why was it exactly that people didn't eat cranberries at the very first Thanksgiving, and finally we go into what Melanie herself is so thankful for. That, that got me thinking about what I, for one, am uh, thankful for here. The Realignment Podcast is really a branch out from the 2016 presidential election. Now, you can feel however you'd like about that result, but what it ultimately gave us was the ability to have conversations about long-standing political dogmas and say, is that really the right way to run this country? And that's something that we haven't had since the 1920s and the 1910s, and it's just an invigorating and amazing time to be in Washington while we're really just reimagining who we are as a country. And I think that that's something that I'm just so thankful for to do here on this podcast with Marshall and with Hudson every day. That actually goes to something that Melanie talks pretty eloquently about, which is the idea that as this country has changed, Thanksgiving itself has changed. And I personally, the thing I'm most thankful for is I know we spend a lot of time talking about how technology is perilous, how we have all these challenges ahead of us, but at a really core level to this podcast, technology's made it so that we could actually record a phone call and then have you listen in. We could actually share this podcast with everyone. We can talk about this online. We could really put together a really excellent program with our friends at Hudson and our fellow colleagues and put something that everyone could listen to. So I just think I'm really thankful for how technology has made it so that we could share this all with you all. And finally, we are thankful that our producer, Phil Hegseth, and his wife gave birth to a healthy baby girl, Noelle Lincoln Hegseth, eight pounds and 11 ounces. Baby and mother are doing well, and we wish them all the best in this amazing new journey in their life. With all that, let's dive into our interview with Melanie Kirkpatrick. Hello. Hi, Melanie. It's Marshall. Oh, hey, Marshall. How are you? Good. You're joined by Sagar, the co-host, and Phil, yeah. our producer. Hi, Sagar. Hi, Phil. Hi. Hey. Can you hear us okay? Is this all good? Yes, it's fine. Oh, perfect. Welcome to the realignment. It's good to be with you, and happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Happy Thanksgiving. So, Melanie, you are a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. And before that, you were at the Wall Street Journal, and you also authored a book on North Korea, Escape from North Korea, The Untold Story of Asia's Underground Railroad. 
But we wanted this week to talk with you about a less serious topic, but one that we think is equally important to everyone back at home today, and that's Thanksgiving. Um, You actually authored a book called Thanksgiving, The Holiday at the Heart of the American Experience. What inspired you to write a book like that after focusing on such serious topics for so long? Thanksgiving is a subject that uh, is very dear to my heart, and I think I'm not unique here. Uh, It's Americans' favorite holiday. And people have a real emotional attachment to it. But the reason I began to research the holiday was um, because I was uh, inspired by September 11th and the events of that day. I was downtown uh, uh, right outside the World Trade Center um, in Manhattan on that day, and I saw the towers fall. And after that event, uh, like a lot of Americans, I began to think about a little more hardly about what, a little more uh, you know, deeply about what it meant to be an American. And I began to read William Bradford's Of Plymouth Plantation. Bradford was the governor of Plymouth Plantation, and his book, uh, Of Plymouth Plantation, is a monumental study of the pilgrims' trip from Holland to England to America and then their first years in America. And uh, as November approached, I, I skimmed ahead and, and got to the section on the first Thanksgiving. It was only 150 words or so, but I was really blown away by it because he described um, an, an atmosphere, a, a, a mood that persists today, uh, almost 400 years later. So that's a long answer to your question. And after that, I when I had some free time, I would research the holiday. I wrote a couple of articles for the Wall Street Journal on the holiday, and uh, then I eventually decided to do a book on it. So you just said something I didn't know, which was that it's Americans' favorite holiday. I mean, Christmas is personally mine, but are, are you yeah. suggesting there's polling or evidence out there that Thanksgiving is <laughs> yeah. actually the number one? Well, part of that is anecdotal, I must say. People, <laughs> people often tell me how much they love Thanksgiving. But uh, there was a survey done a long time ago. So, uh, but but uh, anecdotally, I would say yes. People, of course, love Christmas for religious reasons, often, of course, and for family reasons. But there's a lot of um, tension involved with uh, Christmas for a lot of people. Right. The, uh, you know, the shopping and the decorating and uh, the getting together with family. People often have said to me that uh, Thanksgiving, they love Thanksgiving because it's not commercial, because it's um, uh, uh, an easy, an easy, it's an easygoing holiday. And if you think about it, it's, it's um, the one time of year, if, if you're invited to a Thanksgiving dinner, one of the first things you ask is, what can I bring? And so it's, uh, hmm. it's a, a communal event. Everybody pitches in, in I think, a yeah. lot of cases. I think that's a great point. It is a na- you know a nationally oriented holiday. It is inherently communitarian, and and what you you pointed out something interesting, which is this is a, almost a four hundred year old holiday. I mean, it's, it really is like ingrained in the American experience going back for so long. Could you just lay out some of the some of the history there uh, of the original Thanksgiving, and then kind of how it was woven into into some of our er- early history with with George Washington and, and some of these others that you write about in the book. Well, I wrote a whole book about this, as you know, so I'll try to condense it into a couple of minutes. <laughs> but, um, uh, yes, the first Thanksgiving, um, 398 years ago, uh, took place in Plymouth. Uh, it was after the first harvest of, of the pilgrims in the New World. The 
Pilgrims, however, there are two eyewitness accounts, the Pilgrims, however, did not call it a Thanksgiving and would not have regarded it as such. For them, a Thanksgiving was a strictly religious holiday, but a time for uh, a worship and reflection, and then afterwards, uh, uh, probably a communal meal. But um, it, it, that first harvest festival was not a Thanksgiving in their books. Uh, the first Thanksgiving, the first time they used the word Thanksgiving to celebrate something they did was a few years later, 1624, July, when Bradford, Governor Bradford, gave um, uh, thanks and called for the pilgrims to give thanks for a rainfall that had ended a drought, thereby saving their crops. Um, but as the 17th century went on, these Thanksgivings that were called usually for specific purposes, such as a rainfall or uh, a victory um, in a skirmish with the Native Americans or some other beneficence, um, turned into um, a more formal celebration. And in uh, 1639, the Connecticut uh, the civil authorities of Connecticut, not the religious authorities, the civil authorities, called the Thanksgiving for general blessings, and it was to be an annual event. It's interesting from the perspective of the 21st century to consider that there was a theological debate about this. Mm -hmm. Some people thought that uh, Thanksgiving for general blessings would mean that um, people would take God's goodness for granted. It was better to have thanksgivings only for a specific uh, beneficence. But um, the people loved the idea, uh, and by the end of the 17th century, it was being celebrated as an annual event for general blessings all over the country, all over the, um, the 13 colonies. But um, then you fast forward to the time of the Revolution. There were thanksgivings called by the Continental Congress, and then in 1789, in the first presidential proclamation, George Washington called a national Thanksgiving huh. for, the for, the, for the last Thursday of November, and uh, he issued a proclamation uh, at the behest of members of Congress. And here's an interesting quirk. Uh, you, know, you think about Congress and our general political situation today, and uh, of course, people disagree all the time over things. And Thanksgiving was no exception. In 1789, there were uh, members of Congress who objected to the idea of pre the president calling a national Thanksgiving for two reasons. One was that some people felt it was a strictly religious holiday, and therefore, uh, under our con new constitution, the president and the government in general should have no role in it whatsoever. But secondly, um, they also thought it was not the, uh, under the Constitution, the president did not have the authority to call a national Thanksgiving. Wow. That authority fell to the governors of the 13 states. So Washington, being a great man, did a wonderful thing. He issued a Thanksgiving proclamation, and he sent it to the governors of every state, requesting, not ordering, requesting them to call a Thanksgiving in their state on the day he specified. Of course, they all agreed, and we had this national Thanksgiving. But by 
Um, by the way he handled it, Washington was able to address the concerns of the critics and um, make it possible for everybody to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So, something interesting. So when I was looking through the book to get some of these dates, I sort of highlighted it and wrote four surprisingly controversial centuries of Thanksgiving. It seems to me that either from the debates over religion in the, in the early states or the colonies or to the debates over states' rights and the power of the executive branch, Thanksgiving has had a surprisingly controversial history. Can you think of any other holidays that you came across in your research that have had such sort of, I feel, low stakes but also high stakes sort of implications to them? Gosh, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but um, no, I, I, I can't. Uh, Thanksgiving is uh, not a, uh, a strictly religious holiday, though I argue and believe that it is a religious holiday that, in the sense that it's a holiday that um, um, uh, people of every faith and of none um, can celebrate mm-hmm. and do. Um, it's not strictly a patriotic holiday, but yet it, it, but it's also that because, because it's a quasi-patriotic holiday. And the woman, Sarah Joseph Hale, who persuaded Lincoln to call um, uh, what is the first in the beginning the, in, in the series of our modern Thanksgivings, um, believed that Thanksgiving was a way to bring the country together uh, in the era before the Civil War. Uh, so it's it's really something special. And while I don't think the holiday itself has been particularly controversial, many aspects of it have been. In the 19th century, late 19th century, for example, football became very controversial. It was, Americans had adopted football and were wild, were just, were just mad about it. And <laughs> people began to complain that it was taking away from the true meaning of the holiday. Hmm. So uh, it has raised or sparked controversy over the years. I think that's I think that's fascinating, and this is because it, it truly is a holiday. I mean, like you say, it certainly has religious implications. It started out that way, but it has morphed and, and, and really was conceived almost from the 1860s onward, like you're talking about with President Lincoln, as a way to bridge a national divide. And we talk about on the show here all the time about the divisiveness of the, our current politics, about you know the policy choices which have caused ma- major divides between the cities and and the urban rural divide and all of that, and yet this does seem to see this some does seem to be one of the things that cuts across class, religion, and and politics. And so, can you talk about the legacy of that in terms of the eighteen well, sixties and with the day sure. of Thanksgiving? Well, is there any year in American history when Americans were more divided than in 1863? Right. 1843. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just coming up with a random date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, if, and if you look at Lincoln's proclamation from that year, it begins with a, a lyrical description of all of the blessings that the American people have. He talks about the beautiful country, and he talks about how there is... Um, we're experiencing no pestilence, um, and uh, he he doesn't ignore the war, but then he, but then he goes on to say um, that uh, uh, he's looking forward to a time when the war will be over, and that the country will once again be at peace. So he has 
I think uh, he has tried to bring Americans together. Now, Southerners did not celebrate the holiday in 1863, but after the war, it was, I think, a, a way for to help the Union heal, to help the country heal. So that's that's a good pivot to, I think, my favorite of the dates that your story sort of pulls out, which is during the 1930s. You could tell this better than I tell this story better than I can. But FDR tried and did change the actual official federal date for Thanksgiving. What was going on there? Why did he do that? Well, in 1939, FDR decided to change the date of Thanksgiving. He held a press conference in August and announced that uh, henceforth, Thanksgiving would be celebrated a week earlier than tradition. And he had a dumb reason for it. Uh, he thought that it would uh, boost uh, sales, uh, retail sales, and help the economy by extending the Christmas shopping season uh, by a week. And this was a um, dumb economic theory, and it didn't work. But uh, when he made this announcement, um, he set off a political uproar. FDR usually had a good sense of how um, Americans would respond to what he did, but not in this case. Uh, he said, made the mistake of saying there was nothing sacred about the date of Thanksgiving. Well, Americans begged to differ. And in fact, there was no federal date for Thanksgiving. It was a custom, not a law. And so... Um, as a result, half the states chose to celebrate on the original traditional date, that is the last Thursday of November, and the other half celebrated a week earlier. And so these two different Thanksgivings began became known as the Democratic Thanksgiving for Roosevelt and the Republican Thanksgiving <laughs> for the traditional date. And sometimes it was called Franksgiving after Franklin Roosevelt. And it was it caused a real economic um, problem too, and a number of uh, businesses were very upset by this. Um, retailers diverged. Small retail retailers um, didn't like it for the most part, and wrote angry letters to the president saying that they would lose sales that way because they thought that those shoppers would go to the big department stores. Um, calendar makers were apoplectic, <laughs> <laughs> and but the the the, um, the, uh, the group of Americans who were most upset were colleges and universities, especially football coaches. And this is because there was a tradition back then that uh, championship football games were played over the Thanksgiving weekend. And it was, and the academic calendar was built around that as well. So, um, university presidents and university football coaches um, wrote angrily to the president, saying that you know he he had really messed up their calendars. And what were they going to do? Um, and uh, there was one football coach from Arkansas who wrote to Roosevelt, and I loved this line. He said, "If you don't change this date back to the original date, we're going to." Vote Republican. <laughs> so, uh, and oh, another little factoid from that era was that uh, uh, 
Texas decided to, you know, Texas always doing things big. Of course. Decided to celebrate on both dates. Love that. <laughs> so I think what's so interesting about that anecdote is that regardless of the economic fallacies behind the policy, I think part of the reason why it seems that FDR misjudged the issue was there's a tension in Thanksgiving between the tradition and the sacred factors and just the fact that for a lot of people, it's a great opportunity to shop, right? Today we have Black Friday, there's Cyber Monday, the Monday after that. How do you think that, when did that generally evolve, right? So when did the sort of commercial aspects of the Thanksgiving holiday start to come into play? Obviously not in the 17th century, but a certain point it must have happened. Yeah, well, that was probably the uh, second half of the 19th century. I, I mean, before then, there were commercial aspects in the sense that people purchased food for the holiday uh, or traveled for the holiday. But uh, it was really toward the end of the 19th century, I guess. The uh, football um, helped to spark that. And also at the end of the 19th and early part of the 20th century, the uh, tradition of sending Thanksgiving postcards began. Greeting cards, these were um, usually colorfully decorated uh, pictures having to do with Thanksgiving and the harvest on the front and space in the back to send a message. Um, then you know, as we got richer, uh, um, it was really... I don't know if it was Thanksgiving. It was just the, that sparked the, the shopping. It mm -hmm. was, you know, the, the place that came, it was the fact that Christmas was on December 25th. And um, people, of course, uh, went shopping in the month before that. Um, it's also, uh, and this is a little bit of a deviation from your question, but it's also the beginning of the giving season. Uh, which is very, very big business in America today um, as philanthropies solicit uh, donations from individuals and uh, corporations. Americans are by far the most generous people in the world, and Thanksgiving is uh, uh, a holiday when um, we remember especially people who are less fortunate than us, um, the poor, the homeless, people in prison, um, soldiers who are stationed overseas. Um, and a lot of traditions have uh, been established since that 1863 Thanksgiving, in, uh, whereby we uh, have found ways to help the less fortunate. A lot of healing organizations or, or Ilamansui organizations were established in the, the middle part of the 19th century, and many of them would organize their fundraising activities around the Thanksgiving holiday. Hmm. So, Melly, how do you think that Thanksgiving, I mean, on top of the commercialization and that aspect of it, and the giving season as well. What has changed over the course in terms of some of the customs in the traditions? I mean, we have the date, now we have the commercialization of this, but what about in the way that Americans actually celebrate it? Hmm. Well, I, I think I'd like to say one more thing about commercialization. Oh, please, yeah. I'm a fan of Black Friday. 
And I think it's good for America. It's a reflection of our prosperity, and it's a reflection of our concern for others that we want to go out and spend a day shopping and uh, buy, to buy gifts for people, and that um, our commercial organizations, uh, um, it's an opportunity for them to make money, too. And all that's good. It's good for the economy, and it's, it's good for us. The food that we eat at Thanksgiving has changed. If you want to eat what the Pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians ate at the first Thanksgiving in 1621, you'd better put venison on the menu. We know that uh, the Native Americans brought three deer, which uh, as a gift to the Pilgrims, and that would have been uh, probably the centerpiece of the meal. We also know that they ate corn and squash uh, and beans, which uh, the pilgrims were able to successfully grow because uh, Native Americans uh, taught them how to do that. A few things they didn't eat that are uh, traditional today are potatoes, which did not grow in that area and were not popular um, in you know in. England, so they probably would not have brought potatoes with them. Uh, they didn't have pie for the simple fact that they didn't have wheat and they didn't have sugar. <laughs> they probably did not eat cranberries because uh, cranberries uh, have a terribly sour taste. If you eat one, you don't want to eat a second one <laughs> without sugar. Uh, that, but by the end of the century, by the end of the 17th century, recipes for cranberries uh, came. You know, they, clearly they were began to be on the menu. Uh, and what what am I missing? They uh, oh, turkey, of course, turkey. <laughs> uh, one of the two eyewitnesses uh, in one of the two eyewitness accounts of the first Thanksgiving, there's a passing mention of wild turkey, and uh, the, the forest would have been filled with wild turkey, so it's likely that they ate turkey on Thanksgiving. At least I like to think so. Uh, then as the years went by, there were other things that became traditional for Thanksgiving. In the 19th century in New England, chicken pie, chicken pot pie, was very popular. You don't really see that on the menu today. Um, another tradition that has changed or evolved, I should say, is um, uh, how we give thanks. At, in, in the 17th and 18th centuries and well into the 19th, people went to church um, for another house of worship on Thanksgiving morning. By the middle to end of the 19th century, that had changed to the extent that uh, uh, it was more popular, at least among Protestant churches, to uh, go to church and uh, have a union service. That is, a lot of churches would come together and have a, a worship service on Thanksgiving morning. Nowadays, those services are generally held uh, earlier in the week. People, it's, it's very uncommon to go to church today on Thanksgiving Day itself. And yet, the tradition of giving thanks, uh, saying grace before a meal, still prevails. 
uh, if um, if a family is going to say grace before a meal, um, it, it'll be on Thanksgiving Day. Mm. So, so we mentioned the and, start. That, oh, sorry. Please go on. Um, there's one tradition that has fallen out of favor that I'd really like to revive. It was popular in the 19th century, and it was called Five Kernels of Corn. The custom began in 1820 during the bicentennial celebrations of the arrival of the Mayflower. And uh, the custom means that you put five kernels of corn on the Thanksgiving table. And the corn is supposed to represent the uh, several things, the privations that the pilgrims underwent during those first years. Um, the, uh, it also represents the food that they grew, something that would not have been possible without the help of the Wampanoag Indians. So it's a, it's a lovely custom. And finally, it also reflected a legend, probably not true, of uh, how the pilgrims at one point had so little food to eat that their governor would hand out five kernels of corn to them. And before eating that, they would say grace. This, this story is probably not true, but it certainly represents the pilgrims' mindset, their attitude of gratitude toward even the most meager amount of food that they had. Hmm. So hopefully our podcast could become the start yeah. of a revivalist movement with uh, Thanksgiving the traditions past. Revolution. Um, so I think we mentioned this at the start of the show, but we often spend a lot of time on this podcast with our guests lamenting the state of the world. So I think it would be great for everyone, especially our parents, I think, to get an opportunity to hear something that we are <laughs> excited about or things that we are actually thankful for, things that are sort of positive. And I was wondering on that count, what's something, because as you mentioned before, you've focused a lot on North Korea, international affairs. What's something that you look out into the world beyond sort of, maybe it's in the domestic sphere, or maybe it's in the broader world at large. What are things that you actually feel thankful and positive about? I think every American on Thanksgiving Day can give thanks for our forebearers and what they have established for us and those who have spilled their blood to make it possible for us to be who we are today. It's, it's a time not to take our everyday blessings as Americans for granted. And I would also say that if you want a better answer to the question you just asked me than I'm able to provide, ask an immigrant. One of, the, one of the most moving aspects of my research into history came when I interviewed some high school students at a, at a high school for new immigrants in Queens in New York City. And I asked these kids, about Thanksgiving. They were about to celebrate their first Thanksgiving. And they gave, they gave remarkable responses. A boy who told me he was from Tibet, a country that hasn't existed since 1950 when China invaded, told me that his family came to America because they wanted to, they wanted to practice the religion of the Dalai Lama. That's something they couldn't do in China. And then 
a girl spoke up and said, yeah, her family came here too for the same reason. They they are were cops and cops, an ancient form of Christianity, and that's why they came to America. Other kids spoke about how they came to America so that their families could have a better lives, better opportunity than they did in the old country. And one kid actually said, he said, "I am a pilgrim. I am like the pilgrims." Hmm. It's very hard hmm. for me to imagine how uh, an American-born high school student uh, would uh, easily, as easily, make such a connection. So if you want to know what to be, we should be thankful for on Thanksgiving Day, I recommend that you speak to kids at Newcomers High School in Queens, New York. That's really well said. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Melanie. We really appreciate it. It's been a great Thanksgiving edition for our podcast, and it's been so great to talk to you about your book. Thanks for having me, and I look forward uh, to uh, hearing about your Thanksgiving celebration. (laughs) Well, we'll give you a call. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, all quick announcement. We are going to be on hiatus next week. We've had 17 straight weeks of podcast episodes and everyone, myself included, need a break. A quick notice that will give all of you opportunities to catch up with those episodes. I'm looking at you, Grandma, who is only at episode number 12. So lots of opportunities for everyone to catch up with their content. So with that, we're, we're so happy that you guys listened to this episode. If you haven't yet, please rate us five stars on whatever platform that you listened here. And we will see you two weeks from today. Happy Thanksgiving, all. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.